Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. I met Aaron several years ago. Um, we had our, worked at a previous job. We started on the same day. He remembers me, he said, because I was late, but I don't remember being late. He said he's the only person that could be late on the first day of work. And I was like, I don't, I don't remember that. Um, Aaron was a good guy and a great great person to get to know while we worked together. Uh, I had left that job and he left soon after and we just always hung out and remained friends and then he got married and I had another friend and <laughs> now they're going to have a child. Oh gosh. It's like, and I remember Aaron was like a kid. He, I thought he was like 19, but he was, he was young. Uh, he, he's not 19 now though, you guys. Um, but, uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so we just bless you guys. I would definitely see you before you leave, Aaron. But uh, we would definitely be praying for you. Um, Also, just continue to pray for Pastor um, and that he will continue to get better and do well. Um, We're going to be talking about, within our theme for this month, beach. We're going to the beach. And um, so we're going to be people fishing. That is the title title of the message, people fishing. People fishing. So we're going to be in Matthew four eighteen through 20, and then Mark 1, 16 through 18. Um, Matthew four eighteen through 20 reads, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. And I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. In the King James Version, it says, I will make you fishers of men. Uh, and then in Mark 1, 16 through 18, it says, And Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee and saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. Uh, come follow me. And Jesus said, and, and I will, I'm sorry, come follow me. Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. And that's the NIV version of Mark 1, 16 through 18. How many fishermen do we have? People who like to fish. Not a lot. And there's a few over here. How many How many people have gone fishing? Never. Some people have never gone. Oh, my God. Gosh, come on. <laughs> I have. I've gone fishing. I don't know. I can't say that I love fishing, but... Um, I recently went with some coworkers, and that was an interesting experience, um, to say the least. Um, but yeah, so there's certain things you have to know and do as a fisherman, right? You know, there's certain tips that everyone has their favorite rod and lure that they use, and uh, yeah, so there, there's certain things that fishermen. There's fishermen lingo. Um, there's fishermen attire. You have to dress the part to be a fisherman, I think. I wouldn't wear this fishing, actually. I wore it because mosquitoes ate me up the last time I went fishing. I was like, gosh, I should have wore a long-sleeve shirt. Um, but, yeah, so we're going to be talking about fishing and fishing for people, and we're going to glean from what people are doing fishing and what we can learn from fishermen as well and what we can learn from these uh, these passages of Scripture. Um God asked us to make disciples in Matthew 28 and 18. He says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go 
and make disciples of all nations, nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost and teaching, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. So we had a few experienced fishermen, and I'm sure after the service, talk to some experienced who who would consider themselves an experienced fisherman. Raise your hand if you're all right. So there are a few experienced fisher people because <laughs> they're a woman. Um, but ask them after the service what are some advice you would give for someone going fishing? Because I'm sure you can relate that advice uh, to some spiritual connotation, and we'll talk about that a little later. But let's prepare to go fishing. Let's prepare to go fishing. And so when we prepare to go fishing, because I recently went fishing with some coworkers, and the first thing I said is, well, what am I going to put on to go fishing? So do I have the appropriate attire to go fishing in? That's how I think. And then we will get to equipment later. <laughs> but can I, can I actually look the part to go fishing? And so when we're fishing for people, what is the appropriate attire to wear? What is what do I wear when I'm fishing for people? When I'm actually going out to win souls for Christ? What do I put on? So Ephesians six, ten through seventeen says, Put on the whole armor of God. It says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces and evil of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And after and after having done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness on your in place with your with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace in addition to all this take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit spirit which is the word of god so that's part of our attire when we're going out to win souls we're going to go fish for people we're going to put on the full armor of God. We're going to make sure we have the right blessed plate. We're going to have the word. We're going to have our shield of faith. And these things are needed, just like when you go fishing. So you're going to make sure you, when you do go fishing, I hope you do have an opportunity to go. Um, you know, like I said, I wore a short sleeve shirt when I probably should have wore, worn a long sleeve shirt, given the time of year that it was, and not thinking that the mosquitoes would be like, uh, birds that are biting my skin. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're going to wear the right things. So we're going to put on the whole armor of God. And this is in preparation. We're we're going somewhere with this. We're going to go to win souls. But before we even get to the souls to win, we need to have the right attire on. And so many times, uh, we we negate putting on the right attire and think, all right, we're just going to go out there. And then we go out there and get defeated, and we're like, man, why, why did that happen? Why didn't that soul get won? Or, or why did these things didn't work out the, the way I thought it would? Well, did I have on the right attire? 
Did I gird myself appropriately? Did I have my word? Did I have my sword? Did I have my the helmet on so that the enemy couldn't throw darts at me? Or was my thinking off track? And did I say something that I shouldn't have said? Or did I become more argumentative versus coming to them in love? And I didn't do the preparation, and I didn't put on the right clothing, and so, therefore, that was a missed opportunity. So we want to make sure we have the right equipment on. Secondly, we need to know what fish we are trying to catch. If you ask any experienced fisherman, they have a certain lure or certain things, certain bait for certain kinds of fish. You just can't go out with, uh, and I'm not, like I said, I'm, I'm new to fishing, so I don't know all the lingo. But <laughs> uh, but you can't go out with certain, one, uh, a certain kind of bait thinking you're going to catch trout or or minnows or whatever and some some people like live bait some people like you know the man-made lures some people like things that are shiny uh some fish are, are attracted to that some fish are not uh sometimes it knowing where you going what you're going to fish for also may require you to have a different kind of fish pole because of the weight of the fish um, so if you're going to catch a fish between 10 to 15 pounds, you have a, a different kind of pole versus something that may be 15 to 20 pounds. Uh, and the line that you may have would be very different. So the uh, the line that you may use would, can hold a certain different uh, different kinds of weight. So, And how you set that lure on there will attract different kinds of fish. And the times that you go fishing, you will attract different kinds of fish. So you will fish during the day sometimes. There are certain fish that are out during the day. Versus at night sometimes. So all those things matter. And so we as believers need to know what we're trying to catch. And what we're trying to catch are unbelievers. Right? Which we once were. <laughs> some of us. Um, and so in 2 Corinthians 4, 4 5 says that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as servants to Jesus, for Jesus Christ's sake. So we need to know who we're preaching to, who we're going to fish for, what we're trying to catch. And if we know that we're trying to catch unbelievers, we need to know what unbelievers are thinking. And some of us can just think what unbelievers are thinking because we were once them ourselves. Um, but what what's on the mind of unbelievers? What is on the mind of some of your coworkers who don't believe? What are they thinking? What is their worldview? We need to know that so that when we go try to win them over, we need to know what they're dealing with. What is what, what is going on in their lives? First uh, Corinthians six nine and eleven says, "Oh, do you know not?" That wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not deceive, neither the sexual and moral, nor idolaters, or adulterers, or men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord and by the Spirit of God. So those are some of the things that unbelievers are dealing with. Those are some of the things that believers are dealing with, unfortunately. <laughs> but so we need to know these things to know how to win 
the believer. We need to know what they're dealing with. These are the fish that we're trying to catch. These are the souls that we're trying to win. So we need to know what they're believing, what they're thinking. We need to know their worldview. And that shouldn't be so hard to do because we were once unbelievers and we had a similar worldview. And so that may make sense. Hey, they believe this. And I used to believe that same thing. But now, because I have Christ in my life, I know that there's hope. I know that there's a life after this. I'm not living to be selfish. I'm not buying this or doing this just for me. I'm wanting to give to others. So we know what they we know what we have to put on. We're trying to figure out what we're going to catch. And then we also need to choose the right bait. This is important. Choosing the right bait. And this is not some kind of trickery or something you do just to kind of get someone to do something or get them to be saved. We're going to bait you to get saved. That's not what we're talking about here. Um, but we're going to choose the right bait. Think about this. What what do you have that you think as a Christian is attractive to the world? Think about that for a moment. What do you have as a, if you're a believer, what do you have that attracts the world to you? No, it's rhetorical. You don't have the answer. <laughs> but just think about it. What do you have that the world sees and says, I want that? I'm attracted to that in her or in him. I, I want that, what, what she has or what he has. Or Do you have, can you think of anything? Is there anything that the world looks at you and says, man, I want to be like that? Yeah, <laughs> it was hard for me. To, it was hard for me, too. Um, and love is one. Love is one. We'll get there. Uh, Matthew five sixteen says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. So our good deeds should be seen so that others will glorify him. What are good deeds? I mean, they could be numerous. I'm not even going to list them all. There could be many things that are good deeds, but we should do them so that God will be glorified. Right? Good deeds? We're going to do good deeds? Yes? All right, good. <laughs> good deeds is one. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22, 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law we talked about i preached about the fruit of the spirit a couple months ago those are things that the world if they see they recognize and say oh i don't see that much they don't see forbearance much they don't see goodness they don't see peace a whole lot of faithfulness that's really rare that's why sometimes on Facebook when someone says they've been married 15 years, it gets like thousands of likes because it's rare. You know, or 40 years, that's faithfulness. You don't see gentleness or self-control. I experienced something at work uh, recently, and I wanted to, you know, work is work. I won't leave it at that. But <laughs> I, I do like where I work most of the time. Um, but, um, but yeah, someone had kind of did some things and it was annoying. Um, and I try to live this word out. I do try my best to live the word out. And so I try to do what's right at my job, no matter who left a mess or who did something wrong, I'm going to do what's right. And so my coworker said, 
why are you doing that? I was like, well, that's what we were supposed to do. Well, they didn't leave that. They left that for you to clean up, so you should just leave it for the next shift. I was like, well, no, that's not the right thing to do. He was like, you're, he, he said, you're crazy. I wouldn't do that. I would, you know, again, this is the world's thinking because the world world's thinking is, well, if he did you wrong, I'm going to do you wrong. The next guy wrong because I didn't, I didn't leave that mess. It's like, no, that's not how you're going to do because I'm going to clean it up because I, I need to be a standard to show this is not what we should do. We're going to clean it up. So I cleaned up the mess. I don't know if my coworkers won over by that or not because he feels still thinks I'm crazy. But I consistently do uh, run into situations like that where we have to choose to do the right thing when it's the right thing, even when we know the next person is going to do the wrong thing again. And that was his point. Well, they're going to do it again. It's like it doesn't matter you have to choose to do the right thing because it's just the right thing. No matter what, it's just the right thing to do. So we got to choose to be the fruit. Um, so we're going to do good deeds. We're going to be show the fruit of the spirit. And we're also going to love. We're going to love one another first. Uh, John 13, 34, 35 says, a new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So I thought about that because this is just not a regular kind of love. We need to understand that this is uh, this is not good deeds. This is not just fruit of the spirit. He said, by this love. Everyone will know that you are my disciples. So what kind of love are we showing that people will recognize and say, man, he has to know Jesus because most people don't love like that. Most people don't do those things that he he has to be a disciple because he's he's showing love that I don't see anywhere else. And the love that he's talking about is in first Corinthians 13, one through seven. And this, this, this kind of love is hard. This is not an easy love. And we don't see this love often. It says, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels but do not have love, I am a resounding gong or clangling cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and cannot fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. You can have all those other things, but if you don't have love, you have nothing. If I give all my possessions to the poor and give my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I've gained nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. It didn't say it keeps some records. <laughs> it says no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects. It always trusts, always hopes, always persevere, perseveres. Love never fails. This is the kind of love that when the world sees in you, then they know you are a disciple. And it is our goal, I hope, to display this love to one another. 
This is not for the world. This is just for in here. The hard part is going out there. But this is supposed to be easy because we're supposed to do this for our brothers and sisters in Christ within the church. And if we can perfect this, then the world will see that and say, wow, these people love one another. These people are showing this kind of love in the earth. They have to be children of God. And so that kind of baits them. That that gets people to look at you and say, man, I want that in my life. I need that. That's different. So that's the kind of bait we're talking about. We're still talking about bait. So good deeds is bait. Fruit of the spirit is bait. Love or love for one another is bait. This is kind of this is a good kind of bait. We're going to catch a lot of fish with this bait. We're going to preach Christ. First Corinthians 1, 23, 25. Um, no, where am I? I think uh, I messed up here. I wrote the same wrong scripture down. First uh, <laughs> Corinthians, I think one twenty three twenty five. Let me turn there. I don't have it written down. Give me a moment here. How many of you like live bait? The squishy worms that you know. That's probably why most of you haven't, some of you haven't been fishing because you don't want to deal with the worm. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't, it's not my favorite thing to do. I ain't going to lie to you. Gosh, and a hook will cut your fingers up if you don't know what you're doing. I'm just going to warn you now. So if you get interested in going fishing, uh, there's some things to be careful about. Don't get caught up in, in a hook. Oh, <laughs> it could hurt you. Uh, all right, so 1 Corinthians 1, 23, 25. It says, so when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it is all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentile, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This is foolish. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest human plan. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strengths. So we preach Christ and Christ's crucified if you don't do anything else if you don't know any other scripture if you don't know all the old and new testament and uh, you know the all the different things that you could teach or preach on preach christ and him crucified just that alone you don't you don't have to go by faith you don't have to move mountains you don't have to have a prayer meeting you don't have to you know lay hands you don't have to Preach Christ and him crucified. If nothing else, that is going to be the bait that wins souls. So are we ready to go fishing? No? Come on, y'all. <laughs> You're supposed to say yes. <laughs> so we got the right attire. We got the right equipment. We got the right bait. Thank you. <laughs> I've done with that one. Get back here. And so we're ready to be fishermen, right? We're ready. Almost. We're gonna, we're gonna get there. We're gonna be talking about this all month. So <laughs> we're gonna be winning souls. We're gonna be fishing for people. 
we are going to go out and win the loss. Um, and I want to equip you. I want you to be prepared and ready for when you go out. And that's my challenge for you is to go out and do that. Uh, the job of a fisherman is difficult. It can require long hours sometimes in the heat of the day and oftentimes at night. Fishmen work year-round in all types of weather conditions, sometimes very cold and also uh, very hot. Several disciples were fishermen, Andrew, Peter, James, and John. Maybe Jesus chose them because they were accustomed to hard work and long hours and sometimes have nothing to show for it. How many of you have been fishing and fishing for hours and have nothing to show for it? But that does not, some of us, it does not stop us from going back again because the love for fishing says, hey, I'm going to go back and do this again. Let's try this again. Um, so let's look Luke 5, 1 through 11. And Luke 5, 1 through 11 says, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore, pull out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Then when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they came, when they were done, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled their boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am sinful man. For he all for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up to the shore and left everything and followed him. So in this, it says, don't be afraid for now on, I will make you fishers of men in the King James Version. And there's something about that, make you. Because some of us was a little hesitant when I said, now are you ready to be fishermen? But he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And C.H. Spurgeon writes this, and I love this, and I'm just going to read it. It was, I can't give it justice um, by reciting or restating what he said. So what he said was so good. Um, it says, when Christ calls us by his grace, we not, all, we not only to remember what we are, but we ought to also think what he can make us. It is follow me and I will make you. We should repent for what we have done, but rejoice for what we may be it is not follow me because what you are already it is not follow me because you may make something of yourselves but follow me 
because what I will make you. Verily I say to each of you, each one of us, as soon as we are converted, it doth not yet appear what we shall be. It did not seem a likely thing that the lowly fishermen who develop, would develop into apostles. These men so hard handy with the net would be quite as much at home in preaching sermons and instructing converts. One would have said, how can these things be? You cannot make founders of churches out of peasants of Galilee. That is exactly what Christ did. And when we are brought low in the sight of God by the sense of our own unworthiness, we may feel encouraged to follow Jesus because what he can make us. What said the woman of sorrowful spirit when she lifted up her song? He raised up the poor out of the dust. He lifted up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes. We cannot tell what God may make us in the new creation since it would have been quite impossible to be foretold that he made of chaos in the world creation, in the old creation. Who could have imagined all the beautiful things that came forth from darkness and disorder by that one word or one phrase, let there be light. And who can tell what lovely displays of everything that is divinely fair that lay yet appear in man's formerly dark life? When God's grace has said to him, let there be light, O you who see in yourselves at present nothing that is desirable, come and follow Christ for the sake of what he can make out of you. Do not hear do you not hear his sweet voice calling to you, saying, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So for those of you who are not ready, who are hesitant, who don't think you're worthy, don't think you have all the skills, he says, I will make you fishers of men. And the key thing that we have to do is just follow him. And he's going to make us fishers of men. So let's get ready. Let's get ready to win Lynchburg. The surrounding counties. Central Virginia. Virginia. And the states around us in the world. All together. And it's not by our own power. It's not by our might. It's not by our worthiness. It's not by all the things that we don't have. Or think we do have. But if we just follow him, he's going to make us fishers of men. Don't forget to wear your beach attire so that you won't be looking crazy next week. <laughs> um, I'm going to be handing out uh, what are those icy things at the end of service. So snow cones, yes. So please come see me and get a snow cone. Uh, I may charge a fee for some of you, but it is free for most of you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Elder John, you're going to close us out. Thanks. Who's gonna, oh, there we go. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434 847 4796. 
We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.